A Day at Dakshineshwar, Saturday, April the 5th, 1884. It was about eight o'clock in the morning when Am arrived at the temple garden and found Sri Ramakrishna seated on the small couch in his room. A few devotees were sitting on the floor. The master was talking to them. Prankrishna Mukherjee was there. Prankrishna belonged to an aristocratic family and lived in the northern part of Calcutta. He held a high post in an English business firm. He was very much devoted to Sri Ramakrishna and, though a householder, derived great pleasure from the study of Vedanta philosophy. He was a frequent visitor at the temple garden. Once he invited the master to his house in Calcutta and held a religious festival. Every day, early in the morning, he bathed in the holy water of the Ganges. Whenever it was convenient, he would come to Dakshineshwar in a hired country boat. That morning he had hired a boat and invited M to accompany him to Dakshineshwar. The boat had hardly left the shore when the river became choppy. M had become frightened and begged Prankrishna to put him back on land. In spite of assurances, M had kept saying, You must put me ashore, I shall walk to Dakshineshwar. And so M came on foot and found Sri Ramakrishna talking to Prankrishna and the others. Master to Prankrishna, for there is a greater manifestation of God in man. You may ask, how is it possible for God to be incarnated as a man who suffers from hunger, thirst and the other traits of an embodied being and perhaps also from disease and grief? The reply is, even Brahman weeps entrapped in the snare of the five elements. Don't you know how Rama had to weep, stricken with grief for Sita? Further, it is said that the Lord incarnated himself as a sow in order to kill the demon Hiranyaksha. Hiranyaksha was eventually killed, but God would not go back to his abode in heaven. He enjoyed his sow's life. He had given birth to several young ones and was rather happy with them. The gods said among themselves, What does this mean? The Lord doesn't care to return to heaven. So they all went to Shiva and laid the matter before him. Shiva came down and urged the Lord to leave the sow body and return to heaven but the sow only suckled her young ones. Laughter. Then Shiva destroyed the sow body with his trident, and the Lord came out laughing aloud and went back to his abode. Prankrishna to the master. Sir, what is the anahata sound? Master. It is a spontaneous sound, constantly going on by itself. It is the sound of the pranava, Om. It originates in the Supreme Brahman and is heard by yogis. 
People immersed in worldliness do not hear it. A yogi alone knows that this sound originates both from his navel and from the supreme Brahman resting on the ocean of milk. Prankrishna, Sir, what is the nature of life after death? Master, Keshab Sen also asked that question. As long as a man remains ignorant, that is to say, as long as he has not realized God, so long will he be born. But after attaining knowledge, he will not have to come back to this earth or to any other plane of existence. The potter puts his pots in the sun to dry. Haven't you noticed that among them there are both baked and unbaked ones? When a cow happens to walk over them, some of the pots get broken into pieces. The broken pots that are already baked, the potter throws away, since they are of no more use to him. But the soft ones, though broken, he gathers up. He makes them into a lump, and out of this forms new pots. In the same way, so long as a man has not realized God, he will have to come back to the potter's hand. That is, he will have to be born again and again. What is the use of sowing boiled paddy grain? It will never bring forth a shoot. Likewise, if a man is boiled in the fire of knowledge, he will not be used for new creation. He is liberated. According to the Puranas, the Bhakta and the Bhagavan are two separate entities. I am one and you are another. The body is a plate, as it were, containing the water of mind, intelligence and ego. Brahman is like the sun, it is reflected in the water. Therefore the devotee sees the divine form. According to the Vedanta, Brahman alone is real and all else is maya, dreamlike and unsubstantial. The ego, like a stick, lies across the ocean of Satchidananda. To M. Listen to what I am saying. When this ego is taken away, there remains only one undivided ocean of Satchidananda. But as long as the stick of ego remains, there is an appearance of two. Here is one part of the water, and there another part. Attaining the knowledge of Brahman, one is established in samadhi, then the ego is effaced. But Shankaracharya retained the ego of knowledge in order to teach men to Prankrishna. But there are signs that distinguish the man of knowledge. Some people think they have knowledge. What are the characteristics of knowledge? 
A gyani cannot injure anybody. He becomes like a child. If a steel sword touches the philosopher's stone, it is transformed into gold. Gold can never cut. It may seem from the outside that a gyani also has anger or egotism, but in reality he has no such thing. From a distance, a burnt string lying on the ground may look like a real one, but if you come near and blow at it, it disappears altogether. The anger and egotism of a gyani are mere appearances, they are not real. A child has no attachment, he makes a playhouse, and if anyone touches it, he will jump about and cry. The next moment he himself will break it. This moment, he may be very attached to his cloth. He says, my daddy has given it to me, I won't part with it. But the next moment, you can cajole him away from it with a toy. He will go away with you, leaving the cloth behind. These are the characteristics of a gyani. Perhaps he has many luxuries at home, couch, chairs, paintings and equipage. But any day he may leave all these and go off to Banaras. According to Vedanta, the waking state too is unreal. Once a woodcutter lay dreaming, when someone woke him up. Greatly annoyed, he said, Why have you disturbed my sleep? I was dreaming that I was a king and the father of seven children. The princes were becoming well-versed in letters and military arts. I was secure on my throne and ruled over my subjects. Why have you demolished my world of joy? But that was a mere dream, said the other man. Why should that bother you? Fool, said the woodcutter. You don't understand. My becoming a king in the dream was just as real as is my becoming a woodcutter. If being a woodcutter is real, then being a king in a dream is real also. Prankrishna always talked about jnana. Was this why the master described the state of the jnani? Now he proceeded to describe the state of the vijnani. Master, jnana is the realization of self through the process of nati nati. Not this, not this. One goes into samadhi through this process of elimination and realizes the Atman. But Vigyana means knowledge with a greater fullness. Some have heard of milk, some have seen milk, and some have drunk milk. He who has merely heard of it is ignorant. He who has seen it is a Jnani, but he who has drunk it has Vigyana. That is to say, 
a fuller knowledge of it. After having the vision of God, one talks to him as if he were an intimate relative. That is Vigyana. First of all you must discriminate, following the method of Nati Nati. He is not the five elements, nor the sense organs, nor the mind, nor the intelligence, nor the ego. He is beyond all these cosmic principles. You want to climb to the roof, then you must eliminate and leave behind all the steps one by one. The steps are by no means the roof, but after reaching the roof, you find that the steps are made of the same materials, brick, lime and brick dust as the roof. It is the supreme Brahman that has become the universe and its living beings and the twenty-four cosmic principles. That which is Atman has become the five elements. You may ask why the earth is so hard if it has come out of the Atman. All is possible through the will of God. Don't you see that bone and flesh are made from blood and semen? How hard sea foam becomes. After attaining Vigyana, one can live in the world as well. Then one clearly realises that God himself has become the universe and all living beings, that he is not outside the world. To Pran Krishna. The fact is that one must have the spiritual eye. You will develop that eye as soon as your mind becomes pure. Take, for instance, the Kumari Puja. I worshipped a virgin. The girl, to be sure, had all her human imperfections. Still, I regarded her as the Divine Mother herself. On one side is the wife, and on the other, the son. Love is bestowed on both, but in different ways. Therefore it comes to this, that everything depends upon the mind. The pure mind acquires a new attitude. Through that mind, one sees God in this world. Therefore one needs spiritual discipline. Yes, spiritual discipline is necessary. You should know that a man becomes easily attached to a woman. A woman naturally loves a man. And a man also naturally loves a woman. Therefore both fall speedily from their spiritual ideal. But it also must be said that there is a great advantage in leading the life of a householder In the case of urgent necessity, a man may live with his wife. Smiling. Well, M, why are you smiling? M to himself. The master makes this much allowance for householders, since they cannot renounce everything. Is complete and absolute continence impossible for a householder? The Hatha yogi who had been living in the Panchavati entered the room. He was in the habit of taking milk and opium, 
He did not eat rice or other food, and had no money to buy the milk and opium. The master had talked with him in the Panchavati. The Hatha yogi had told Rakal to ask the master to make some provision for him, and Sri Ramakrishna had promised to speak about it to the visitors from Calcutta. Hatha yogi to the master. What did you say to Rakal about me? Master. I said that I would ask some rich visitors to help you. But, to Prankrishna, you perhaps do not like these yogis. Prankrishna remained silent. The Hatha yogi left the room and the conversation went on. Master to Prankrishna and the others. If a man leads a householder's life, he must have unflagging devotion to truth. God can be realized through truth alone. Formerly I was very particular about telling the truth, though now my zeal has abated a little. If I said, I shall bathe, then I would get into the water of the Ganges, recite the mantra and sprinkle a little water over my head. But still there would remain some doubt in me as to whether my bath was complete. Once I went to Ram's house in Calcutta. I happened to say, I shall not take any luchi. When I sat down for the meal I felt hungry but I had said I would not eat the luchi, so I had to fill my stomach with sweets, or laugh. But my zeal for truthfulness has abated a little now. Once I said I would go to the pine grove, but then I felt I had no particular urge to go. What was to be done? I asked Ram about it, He said I didn't have to go. Then I reasoned to myself. Well, everyone is Narayana. So Ram too is Narayana. Why shouldn't I listen to him? The elephant is Narayana, no doubt. But the Mahut is Narayana too. Since the Mahut asked me not to go near the elephant, then why shouldn't I obey him? Through reasoning like this, my zeal for truthfulness is slightly less strong now than before. I find a change coming over me. Years ago, Vaishnav Charan said to me, One attains perfect knowledge when one sees God in man. Now I see it is God alone who is moving about in various forms as a holy man, as a cheat, as a villain. Therefore I say, Narayana in the guise of the sadhu, Narayana in the guise of the cheat, Narayana in the guise of the villain, Narayana in the guise of the lecture. Now my problem is, how I can feed all of you, I want to feed everyone, so I keep one at a time with me 
and feed Ham. Pram Krishna looking at Ham and smiling, a fine man indeed, to the master. He would not let us go till we put him ashore. Master smiling, why, what happened? Pram Krishna, he was in our boat. Seeing that the river was slightly rough, he insisted on being put ashore. To M, how did you come? M, smiling, on foot. Sri Ramakrishna laughed. Prankrishna to the master. Sir, I'm thinking now of giving up my work. One who is involved in activity cannot accomplish anything pointing to his companion. I'm training him to do my work. After I resign, he will relieve me. Work has become intolerable. Master. Yes, work is very troublesome. It is now good for you to meditate on God for a few days in solitude. No doubt you say that you would like to give up your work. Captain said the same thing. Worldly people talk that way, but they don't succeed in carrying out their intention. There are many pundits who speak words of wisdom, but they merely talk. They don't live up to them. They are like vultures, which soar very high, but keep their gaze fixed on the charnel pit. What I mean is that these pundits are attached to the world, to woman and gold. If I hear that pundits are practising discrimination and dispassion, then I fear them. Otherwise, I look upon them as mere goats and dogs. Prankrishna saluted the master and took his leave. He said to M, Will you come with us? M. No, sir. Catch me going with you again. Goodbye. Prankrishna laughed and said, I see you won't come in the boat. M took a little stroll near the Panchavati and bathed in the river. Then he went to the temples of Radhakanta and Kali and prostrated himself before the images. He said to himself, I have heard that God has no form. Then why do I bow before these images? Is it because Sri Ramakrishna believes in gods and goddesses with form? I don't know anything about God, nor do I understand him. The master believes in images. Then why shouldn't I too, who am so insignificant a creature, accept them? M looked at the image of Kali. He saw that the Divine Mother holds in her two left hands a man's severed head and a sword. With her two right hands, she offers boons and reassurance to her devotees. In one aspect, she is terrible, and in another, she is the ever-affectionate mother of her devotees. The two ideals are harmonised in her. 
she is compassionate and affectionate to her devotees, to those who are submissive and helpless. It is also true that she is terrible, the consort of death. She alone knows why she assumes two aspects at the same time. M remembered this interpretation of Kali given by the Master. He said to himself, I have heard that Keshav accepted Kali in Sri Ramakrishna's presence. Is this, as Keshav used to say, the goddess all spirit and consciousness manifesting herself through a clay image? M returned to the Master's room and sat on the floor. Sri Ramakrishna offered him some fruit and sweets to eat. On account of trouble in the family, M had recently rented a house in another section of Calcutta near his school, his father and brothers continuing to live in the ancestral home. But Sri Ramakrishna wanted him to return to his own home since a joint family affords many advantages to one leading a religious life. Once or twice the master had spoken to him to this effect, but unfortunately he had not yet returned to his family. Sri Ramakrishna referred to the matter again. Master, tell me that you are going to your ancestral home. M. I can never persuade myself to enter that place. Master, why? Your father is making over the whole house. M. I have suffered too much there. I can by no means make up my mind to go there. Master, whom do you fear? M. All of them. Master, seriously. Isn't that like you are being afraid to get into the boat. The midday worship and the offering of food in the temples were over. The bells, gongs and cymbals of the arati were being played and the temple garden was filled with joyful activity. Beggars, sadhus and guests hurried to the guest house for the noonday meal carrying leaf or metal plates in their hands. M also took some of the prasad from the Kali temple. Sri Ramakrishna had been resting a while after his meal, when several devotees, including Ram and Garindra, arrived. They sat down after saluting the master. The conversation turned to the new dispensation church of Keshav Chandra Sen, Ram to the master. Sir, I don't think the Navavidan has done people any good. If Keshab Babu himself was a genuine man, why are his disciples left in such a plight? I don't think there is anything at all in the new dispensation. It is like rattling some potsherds in a room and then locking it up. People may take it to be the jingling of coins, but inside there is nothing but pots herds. Outsiders don't know what is inside. Master, there must be some substance in it. Otherwise, 
Why should so many people respect Keshab? Why isn't Shivanath honoured as much as Keshab? Such a thing cannot happen without the will of God. But a man cannot act as an Acharya without renouncing the world. People won't respect him. They will say, Oh, he is a worldly man. He secretly enjoys woman and gold himself, but tells us that God alone is real and the world unsubstantial like a dream. Unless a man renounces everything, his teachings cannot be accepted by all. Some worldly people may follow him. Keshab led the life of a householder, hence his mind was directed to the world also. He had to safeguard his family interests. That is why he left his affairs in such good order, though he delivered so many religious lectures. What an aristocratic man he married his daughter to. Inside Keshab's inner apartments, I saw many big bedsteads. All these things gradually come to one who leads a householder's life. The world is indeed a place for enjoyment. Ram Keshab Sen inherited those bedsteads when his ancestral property was divided and for Keshab to take part in the division of property. Whatever you may say, sir, Vijay Babu told me that Keshab had said to him, I am a partial manifestation of Christ and Gauranga. I suggest that you declare yourself as Advaita. Do you know what else he said? He said that you too were a follower of the new dispensation. All laugh. Master laughing. Who knows? But as for myself, I don't even know what the term new dispensation means. Laughter. Rum. Keshab's disciples say that he was the first to harmonize Jnana and Bhakti. Master in surprise. How is that? What then of the Adyatma Ramayana? It is written there that while praying to Rama, Narada said, O Rama, thou art the supreme Brahman described in the Vedas. Thou dwellest with us as a man. Thou appearest as a man. In reality, thou art not a man. Thou art that supreme Brahman. Rama said, Narada, I am very much pleased with you. Accept a boon from me. Narada replied, What boon shall I ask of thee? Grant me pure love for thy lotus feet, and may I never be deluded by thy world-bewitching Maya. The Adhyatma Ramayana is full of such statements regarding jnana and bhakti. The conversation turned to Amrita, a disciple of Keshav. Ram. Amrita Babu seems to be in very bad shape. Master. Yes, 
He looked very ill when I saw him the other day. Ram, sir, let me tell you about the lectures of the new dispensation. While the drum is being played, the members cry out, Victory unto Keshab. You say that Dal grows only in a stagnant pool. So Amrita said one day, in the course of his sermon, The holy man has no doubt said that Dal grows in a stagnant pool. But brothers, we want Dal. We want a sect. Really and truly, I tell you that we want a sect. Master, what nonsense. Shame on him. What kind of sermon is that? The conversation drifted to the desire of some people for praise. Master, they took me to Keshab's house to see a performance of the Nimai Sanyas. I heard that day someone speaking of Keshab and Pratap as Chaitanya and Nityananda. Prasanna asked me, Who are you then? Keshab looked at me to see what I would say. I said to him, I am the servant of your servant, the dust of your feet. Keshab said with a smile, You can't catch him. Ram Sometimes Keshab used to say, You were John the Baptist. A devotee But Keshab also said, You were the Chaitanya of the 19th century, said in English. Master, what does that mean? Devotee, that Chaitanya has been incarnated again in the present century of the Christian era and that you are he. Master, absent-mindedly, what of it? Can you tell me how my arm can be cured? This arm is worrying me so much. They talked about Trilokia's music. Trilokia sang devotional songs in Keshab's Brahmo Samaj. Master, ah, how nice his songs are. Ram, do you think they are genuine? Master, yes they are. Otherwise, why should I be so drawn to them? Ram, he has composed his songs by borrowing your ideas. While conducting the worship, Keshab Sen described your feelings and realizations, and Trilokia Babu composed songs accordingly. Take this song, for instance. There is an overflow of joy in the marketplace of love. See how the Lord sports with his own in an ecstasy of bliss. He saw you enjoying divine bliss in the company of the devotees and wrote songs like this. Master with a smile, stop, don't torment me any more. Why should I be involved in all this? All laugh. Girindra, the Brahmos say, that the Paramahamsa Deva has no faculty for organisation, said in English. Master, what does that mean? M. They say that you don't know how to lead a sect. 
that your intellect is rather dull. They say things like that. All laugh. Master to Ram. Now tell me why my arm was hurt. Stand up and deliver a lecture on that. Laughter. The Brahmos insist that God is formless. Suppose they do. It is enough to call on him with sincerity of heart. If the devotee is sincere, then God, who is the inner guide of all, will certainly reveal to the devotee his true nature. But it is not good to say that what we ourselves think of God is the only truth and what others think is false. That because we think of God as formless, therefore he is formless and cannot have any form. That because we think of God as having form, therefore he has form and cannot be formless. Can a man really fathom God's nature? This kind of friction exists between the Vaishnavas and the Shaktas. The Vaishnava says, My Keshava is the only saviour. Whereas the Shakta insists, My Bhagavati is the only saviour. Once I took Vaishnav Charan to Matur Babu. Now Vaishnav Charan was a very learned Vaishnava and an orthodox devotee of his sect. Matur, on the other hand, was a devotee of the Divine Mother. They were engaged in a friendly discussion when suddenly Vaishnav Charan said, Keshava is the only saviour. No sooner did Matur hear this than his face became red with anger and he blurted out, You rascal! All laugh. He was a Shakta. Wasn't it natural for him to say that? I gave Vaishnav Charan a nudge. I see people who talk about religion constantly quarrelling with one another. Hindus... Muslims, Brahmos, Shaktas, Vaishnavas, Shaivas, all quarrel with one another. They haven't the intelligence to understand that he who is called Krishna is also Shiva and the primal Shakti, and that it is he again who is called Jesus and Allah. There is only one Rama, and he has a thousand names. Truth is one, only it is called by different names. All people are seeking the same truth. The variance is due to climate, temperament and name. A lake has many ghats. From one ghat, the Hindus take water in jars and call it jal. From another ghat, the Muslims take water in leather bags and call it pani. From a third, the Christians take the same thing and call it water. All laugh. Suppose someone says that the thing is not jal, but pani, or that it is not pani, but water, or that it is not water, but jal. It would indeed be ridiculous. But this very thing is at the root of the friction among sects. 
their misunderstandings and quarrels. This is why people injure and kill one another and shed blood in the name of religion. But this is not good. Everyone is going toward God. They will all realize him if they have sincerity and longing of heart. 2M. This is for you. All scriptures, the Vedas, the Puranas, the Tantras, seek him alone and no one else. Only that one Satchidananda. That which is called Satchidananda Brahman in the Vedas is called Satchidananda Shiva in the Tantra. Again, it is he alone who is called Satchidananda Krishna in the Puranas. The master was told that now and then Ram cooked his own food at home. Master to M. Do you too cook your own meals? M. No, sir. Master, you may try it. With your meals, take a little clarified butter made from cow's milk. That will purify your body and mind. A long conversation ensued about Ram's household affairs. Ram's father was a devout Vaishnava and worshipped Krishna daily at home. He had married a second time when Ram was quite young. Both the father and the stepmother lived with Ram at Ram's house. But Ram was never happy with his stepmother, and this sometimes created a misunderstanding between himself and his father. They were talking about this when Ram said, My father has gone to the dogs. Master to the devotees. Did you hear that? The father has gone to the dogs and the son is all right. Ram, there is no peace when my stepmother comes home. There is always some trouble or other. Our family is about to break up. So I say, let her live with her father. Girindra to Ram, why don't you too keep your wife at her father's home? Laughter. Master smiling. Our husband and wife like earthen pots or jars, that you may keep the pot in one place and the lid in another, Shiva in one place and Shakti in another. Ram, Sir, we are quite happy, but when she comes, the family is broken up. If such is the case, Master, then build them a separate home. That will be a different thing. You will defray their monthly expenses. How worthy of worship one's parents are. Rakhal asked me if he could take the food left on his father's plate. What do you mean, I said. What have you become that you cannot? But it is also true that good people won't give anyone, even a dog, the food from their plates. Girindra Sir, suppose one's parents are guilty of a terrible crime, a heinous sin. Master What if they are? You must not renounce your mother, even if she commits adultery. 
a woman guru of a certain family became corrupt. The members of the family said that they would like to make the son of the guru their spiritual guide. But I said, how is that? Will you accept the shoot and give up the yam? Suppose she is corrupt. Still, you must regard her as your ishta. Though my guru visits the tavern, still to me, he is the holy Nityananda. Our father and mother mere trifles. No spiritual practice will bear fruit unless they are pleased. Chaitanya was intoxicated with the love of God. Still, before taking to the monastic life, for how many days did he try to persuade his mother to give him her permission to become a monk? He said to her, Mother, don't worry, I shall visit you every now and then. To M, reproachfully. And let me say this to you. Your father and mother brought you up. You yourself are the father of several children. Yet you have left home with your wife. You have cheated your parents. You have come away with your wife and children. And you feel you have become a holy man. Your father doesn't need any money from you. Otherwise, I should have cried, shame on you. Everybody in the room became grave and remained silent. Master, a man has certain debts to pay, his debts to the gods and rishis, and his debts to mother, father and wife. He cannot achieve anything without paying the debt he owes to his parents. A man is indebted to his wife as well. Harish has renounced his wife and is living here. If he had left her unprovided for, then I should have called him an abominable wretch. After attaining knowledge, you will regard that very wife as the manifestation of the Divine Mother herself. It is written in the Chandi, The goddess dwells in all beings as the mother. It is she who has become your mother. All the women you see are only she, the Divine Mother. That is why I cannot rebuke even Brinde, the maidservant. There are people who spout verses from the scriptures and talk big but in their conduct they are quite different. Ramprasana is constantly busy procuring opium and milk for the Hatha Yogi. He says that Manu enjoins it upon man to serve the sadhu, but his old mother hasn't enough to eat. She walks to the market to buy her own groceries. It makes me very angry. But here you have to consider another thing. When a man is intoxicated with ecstatic love of God, then who is his father or mother or wife? His love of God is so intense that he becomes mad with it. Then he has no duty to perform. 
he is free from all debts. What is this divine intoxication? In this state, a man forgets the world. He also forgets his own body, which is so dear to all. Chaitanya had this intoxication. He plunged into the ocean, not knowing that it was the ocean. He dashed himself again and again on the ground. He was not aware of hunger, of thirst or of sleep. He was not at all conscious of any such thing as his body. All at once Sri Ramakrishna exclaimed, Ah, Chaitanya, and stood up. Master to the devotees. Chaitanya means undivided consciousness. Vaishnav Charan used to say that Gauranga was like a bubble in the ocean of undivided consciousness. To the elder Gopal, do you intend to go on a pilgrimage now? Gopal, yes sir, I should like to wander about a little. Ram to Gopal, he, meaning the master, says that one becomes a Kutichaka after being a Vahudaka. The sadhu that visits many holy places is called a Vahudaka. He whose craving for travel has been satiated and who sits down in one place is called a Kutichaka. He also tells us a parable. Once a bird sat on the mast of a ship. When the ship sailed through the mouth of the Ganges into the black waters of the ocean, the bird failed to notice the fact. When it finally became aware of the ocean, it left the mast and flew north in search of land. But it found no limit to the water, and so returned. After resting a while, it flew south. There too it found no limit to the water. Panting for breath, the bird returned to the mast. Again, after resting a while, it flew east and then west. Finding no limit to the water in any direction, at last it settled down on the mast of the ship. Master to the elder Gopal and the other devotees. As long as a man feels that God is there, he is ignorant, but he attains knowledge when he feels that God is here. A man wanted a smoke. He went to a neighbour's house to light his charcoal. It was the dead of night and the household was asleep. After he had knocked a good deal, someone came down to open the door. At sight of the man, he asked, Hello, what's the matter? The man replied, Can't you guess? You know how fond I am of smoking. I've come here to light my charcoal. The neighbour said, Ha ha, you are a fine man indeed. You took the trouble to come and do all this knocking at the door. Why, you have a lighted lantern in your hand. All laugh. 
What a man seeks is very near him. Still he wanders about from place to place. Ram, Sir, I now realize why a guru asks some of his disciples to visit the four principal holy places of the country. Once having wandered about, the disciple discovers that it is the same here as there. Then he returns to the guru. All this wandering is only to create faith in the guru's words. After this conversation had come to an end, Sri Ramakrishna extolled Ram's virtues. Master to the devotees, how many fine qualities Ram possesses, how many devotees he serves and looks after. To Ram, Adha told me that you showed him great kindness. Adha, a beloved householder devotee of the master, had recently arranged some religious music at his house. The master and many devotees had been present, but Adha had forgotten to invite Ram, who was a very proud man, and had complained about it to his friends. So Adha had gone to Ram's house to express his regret for the mistake. Ram, it wasn't really Adha's mistake. I have come to know that Rakal is to blame. Rakal was given charge. Master, you mustn't find fault with Rakal. He is a mere child. Even now you can bring out his mother's milk by squeezing his throat. Ram, Sir, why should you speak that way? It was such an occasion, Master interrupting. Adha simply didn't remember to invite you. He is absent-minded. The other day, he went with me to Jadu Malik's house. As we took our leave, I said to him, You haven't offered anything to the goddess in the chapel. Sir, he said, I didn't know one should. To Ram, suppose he didn't invite you to his house. Why such a fuss about going to a place where the name of the Lord was sung? One may go unasked to participate in religious music. One doesn't have to be invited. <laughs>